You're listening to the Carterville Church Life Podcast. I love our church family, and I hope that you do too. Our goal is that the episodes of this podcast would keep us connected and focused while we're scattered for our week on missions together. I hope that you're blessed by what you hear today. Hey, church family, I hope that you are very blessed this week as you're scattering on mission. I hope that each one of you are enjoying your private times along with the Lord. I just want to encourage you to, to seek him out, to delight in him, to enjoy him as a church family. Do not do not be on cruise control this week. Man, let's love the Lord with all our hearts and let's be faithful. So I want to encourage the church family today um, with the topic of the judgment. I, I know that like I know that sounds kind of crazy because we don't typically think of the judgment as a positive thing. We almost always think of the judgment um, as a very negative thing. But I want I want to explore the judgment um, in, in, a, in a partially positive sense. And so um, here's what I want. Here's what I want to set the stage with this. Um, like all my life, as, a, as I guess as a kid, I just was sort of naturally uh, worried about the judgment. As Christians, we have, we have a, a belief that after we die, we're going to face Jesus Christ in the judgment, that we'll stand before you know, what's called the great light throne judgment, and we will give an account of our lives to Jesus Christ. We understand that um, you know, what we call the book of life plays into that, that our, that our names are in the book of life and we have a place in heaven. But there are allusions that I'll reference in a, in a moment uh, to the judgment that indicate that we go farther than that. So I want to talk about a healthy view of the judgment. Now, as a kid, I, I just had a very negative view of the judgment. And I think it's, I think it's almost inherent in us uh, as people to think negatively about judgment. You know, for example, if you have a test coming up um, in school, if you're a student, you know, you're thinking about that test. And, you know, the test is going to show the things that you don't know, but it's also going to show lots of things that you do know. It, so, for example, if you made a 98 on your test, well, good for you. That means that you knew a ton. Like, you did great with almost everything. But we just kind of fixate on those, uh, on the negative too, on the one thing that we missed. That's just human, I think, to uh, fixate on on the more negative. So if you know that you have an evaluation coming up, you know your supervisor is probably going to say, "Wow, you've done a lot of great things." But we are going to naturally fixate on the negative. And I think the same is true in the divine judgment that we we naturally fixate on the negative elements of it. And that's not that's not altogether true. But because we naturally fixate on the negative elements of it, the entire tone of the judgment in our mind uh, takes an, a negative scope. And so we think about it entirely as if it's a bad thing. And we're afraid of it. And we even though first John in his letter, you know, John John encourages in the letter of First John that perfect love casts out fear. And I think that's fear of the judgment. In other words, you've been adopted into God's family. You've been saved. Your name is in the book of life. So you shouldn't approach the judgment with great fear and trepidation. So let's go ahead and scratch that biblically off the list for you. If you're a born-again believer, then you've been adopted into God's family. And the perfect love of God as he works in you should cast out fear of judgment. Okay, so relax a little bit. Now, what's left? Okay, the first thing I want to do is I, I want all of us as a church to consider how the judgment can actually motivate us. Um, here's what I mean. There's a very negative idea, I think, a demotivating idea in the church. And that's this, that's this sense that I think arises, almost dominates in cultural Christianity where we say, listen, I'm already saved. And if the goal of Christianity, if the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ was only 
accomplished so that it could save my soul. Well, my soul is saved. I gave my life to Jesus. I was baptized. So, yeah, that's it. Game over. I'm done. And if that's the only thing the judgment is about, well, then you can scratch that off the list. I think that's very uh, demotivating for people. You know, I, I think it leads to a lot of um, very apathetic Christian living. Rather, I think that the judgment is still in view for believers, not that we would be cast out of heaven because our, our name's in the book of life, but I do think there are some passages, two that I want to share with you in particular today, although there are several more, that indicate that in the judgment, there's a moment where we give an account of our life to Jesus Christ and an anticipation of that moment of judgment should motivate the believer uh, to a life of love and good deeds, to, to let Jesus have his way with us so that when we stand before him, we can stand with, with honor, knowing that we lived our one sacred life to the best of our ability for his glory. And that as we stand at the judgment, uh, the negative and the positive, to hear where we messed up and to receive our crowns and to hear you know, how we stood for him well, that we could delight as we hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Okay, so here are the two passages that I want to share with you. The first one, comes from near the very end of the Bible, the book of Revelation, in chapter 20. Uh, there's a reference to the judgment, and I want you to listen while I'm reading for references to the book and to books. And so there's two separate references. One is to the book, that is the book of life, that contains the names of believers. And the second reference is to books, as in there's a catalog of books, like a collection of books. I want you to hear this. So in Revelation 20, verse 11 and following, John said this, then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they'd done as recorded in the books. So there's one book, the book of life, and then there are books, plural, that contain the deeds of men. And we're judged according to what was found in those books. So let's, let's keep reading. Verse 13, the sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had done. All right, well, hang on, Ben. I, I thought that I was judged by grace alone, faith alone. No, you're saved by grace alone, by faith alone. That's exactly right. And you're adoption to God's family, your name being in the book of life is absolutely the reason that you're going to inherit the kingdom. And you, you get to enjoy the inheritance of God's family, his sons and his daughters, his kingdom, his home, because your name's in the book. But I believe that biblically we are judged also according to our deeds. Now you need to understand, I do not believe that that means you'll be cast out into a hell or a purgatory. I don't, I don't believe a purgatory exists. I believe in hell, but not a purgatory. But because you're adopted into God's family, you're, you're not, you're not going to be cast into hell. But, so what's left? Well, I think there is a moment in the judgment when we give an account of our works. And I'll read in 1 Corinthians just a, a, in a moment a little bit more of Paul's writing about that. But let me finish revelation for you. So in verse 14, Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. From there, the book of Revelation goes on to describe um, the, the new heaven and the new earth, the inheritance for all those whose names were written 
in the book of life. So the first and most important thing that I hope you've done in your life is I hope that you've given Jesus Christ control of your life, that you've declared him as your Lord, that you've surrendered your will to his, that you've been born again, that you've been saved, that your name will be found in the book of life at the end of time. That's the most important thing. That's the heaven or hell judgment. But I think when the Bible says in the books that contain the works of men were opened and everybody was judged according to their deeds, their works, that there is an aspect of the judgment in which I will give an account for, for my life, for how well I lived for Christ. I want to read from 1 Corinthians. Um, Paul the Apostle is writing to his church in Corinth, and this is, this is what he says. By the grace given to me, this is chapter 3, verse 10. By the grace God has given to me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. In other words, church, you know, I, Paul the Apostle, have come in and preached the gospel to you. I've organized the church. I've laid the foundation on Jesus Christ. And now every one of you are living your life and you are accountable for how you invest in your life as a church family. Verse 11, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is. Because the day, that is the day of judgment, the day will bring it to light. And so, you know, Paul says, like, the foundation is laid, Jesus Christ. Now, what are you going to do? You're going to build on it either with gold, silver, costly stones, or maybe just kind of wood, or worse, hay, straw. In other words, your life is, is either going to be lived for the glory of Christ as determined by your deeds um, or your apathy. And you're going to be accountable for that. So Paul believes, even in the church for believers, that there's going to be a moment where our, our lives, our investment in God's kingdom will be judged. This is what he says in verse 14. Um, uh, verse 13 says, uh, it will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. I have no idea what that reward will be. If it's just glory and status and honor and just, a, just, the, just the approval of God is enough for me. Like if I could hear Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant, that's all the reward I want. And I, I don't have any idea what other rewards might exist. You know, sometimes depicted as crowns or whatever, but like just to know, well done, good and faithful servant. Like the like the the approval of Christ, the approval of God the Father. Like that's enough for me. But according to First Corinthians three, Paul taught that we would be rewarded for good works. Now here's the scary end of that verse. He says this: If it is burned, the builder will suffer loss, yet will be saved. In other words, you're a Christian; you're going to make it into heaven. But all that you did on the earth, it's going to like, it's going to turn to ash in front of you. I mean, it's almost like it's going to be burned up. It's as if it was worthless. You wasted it. And I think there's going to be great sorrow and shame in that moment. So if it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, yet will be saved, even though as one escaping through the flames. Um, in other words, it's, it's almost as if you get to march into the inheritance, into God's kingdom, into the new heaven and the new earth. You get to, to be part of God's family but I mean, it, it's as if you were singed on the way in, you know, as if everything that you did in your life right there before your eyes at the judgment seat of Christ, it, it amounts to almost nothing. And, and, I, and I don't want anybody in our church family, you know, to experience that sorrow. 
It doesn't matter to me if you're listening to the podcast today. It doesn't matter to me if you're seven and your whole life's ahead of you or if you're 77 and you've only got a few years left to give the Lord. Either way, I, I want in our church family that all of us would use the years we've got and the breath that we have for the glory of Christ, knowing that it will lead to the judgment seat, that one day we'll stand with Jesus and we could hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what I want. And so even as a believer, I don't want you to like check out of your faith. I want you to recognize the judgment as a positive motivation. You know, we're not just going to be heard into heaven. We're going to have this moment with Christ where he looks at us and give, we give account of our one sacred life. Your name's in the book. You're safe. You're good. Let perfect love cast out fear. Stop being worried. But now after that, I want you to slow down and recognize that the deeds that you do in this life, they matter. And I just want us to hang on to the judgment, not in fear, but with great motivation eagerly looking forward to the day that we stand before Christ and can thank Him for our life and can give an account of what we've done with it. And so wherever you stand, as you think about this judgment moment, um, invite Christ to grant you the strength of the Spirit that you'll be found faithful when you've finished. And let's finish strong. Let's live well. Don't cast out the idea of judgment. Don't corrupt it with some negative um, with some you know, negative predisposition about judgments and evaluation. Rather, recognize it as a doctrinal truth and allow it to motivate you to write Christian living. Church family, I love you. And I can't wait to see you again as we gather.